This is Sean Kane and AKA Mike Barnes from the Cobra Kai. Look, I'm going to make it simple for you knuckleheads. If you're listening to Fourth Cut Review, that's good. That's like Cobra Kai. If you're listening to other podcasts, that's like Miyagi-Do. That's bad. Get it straight. Welcome back to a brand new episode of Fourth Cut Reviews. I'm your host, EJ Leeson, and with me today is my co-host, my bud, my pal, Chris Conforti. What's going on, man? Not too much. How about you? Ah, nothing much. You know, just hanging out, thinking about some movies, especially one that we're going to talk about today, which is Star Trek Three: The Search for Spock, which I'm very excited about. Um, But not only is it us two, ladies and gentlemen and people of Earth. It's also the better Chris. He knows Kung Fu. Chris R., how you doing, buddy? I'm doing great, guys. Uh, Chris R., you have five minutes, right? Y- yes, I do. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, no, but, uh, yeah, guys, today we're talking about Star Trek III, uh, The Search for Spock. Now, um, I'm so curious, what did you guys think of this movie? Chris R.? Oh boy. Um, so, I mean, where are we at now? Like, at this point, I think the highest rating I've given a movie on this show was what I gave Wrath of Khan. Yes. And boy, oh boy, three really did not did not uh, hold up. It it wasn't a bad movie. There were parts that I liked about it, and I hate the fact that I'm saying this. To me, the biggest attraction of the movie was Christopher Lloyd. Agreed. Yeah. And it's not even, I think, his fault. It's just that, like, anytime I would see him, I would just be like, it's Doc Brown playing a Klingon. Like, no. <laughs> it's it's Klingon Doc Brown. There's a difference. Yeah. Yeah. Um, no, I, I actually, uh, I thought he, I don't know what what's going on with Christopher Lloyd. Like I, he kind of like stepped away for a while, but man, he was in literally all these amazing movies. Uh, Cause I loved him in Adam's family and I loved him in, I did love him in this. And I of course loved him in back to the future, but I feel like he was like so good. Oh, and he's in uh, one flew over the cuckoo's nest. Like he, He's such an incredible actor. And, I don't know. I felt like after the nineties, he kind of just stepped away. Like you didn't hear from him. <laughs> like he just shows up in random stuff now mm-hmm. and then, but uh, he's so, I don't know, but you feel like he was, he served as like a distraction a little bit. Cause you were it's, like, that's not, Brown. yeah, it's not even <laughs> like, it's not his fault. And I hate to say that he was a dis- like a distraction, but every time he came on, it was just, like I couldn't take his character seriously because it was just one of those where it's like that's clearly 
clearly Christopher Lloyd. <laughs> like I couldn't get immersed right. into the character. Um, <laughs> I also had some issues with the the storytelling too. <laughs> Are we sure that that's not his fault, right? Because he was delivering a lot of the lines like he was Doc Brown. So I feel like we have to be at least a little bit critical towards him because I feel like he was delivering a lot of these lines like he was Doc Brown. Yeah, but I mean, that's kind of like hiring Nicolas Cage and going, oh, well, he delivered the lines too much like Nicolas Cage. Right. Like, I I think, yeah, no, because this like predates Back to the Future because this came out in 1984. And so... If anything, he's actually using a lot of what he did in this as for Doc Brown, I guess. Right? So I don't think he was bad. So weird. I mean, right for what I think was the problem. Yeah. And you guys are going to probably think I'm yeah. a little bit nuts. It was the fact Christy Alley did not play Savick, I think, was the problem. Yeah, that kind of bugged me. Um, also, not going to lie, um, the other thing that really bugged me about this... Uh, I don't know if we're doing spoilers or not, but uh, it's that all of a sudden we're supposed to give a shit about or give a care about Kirk's son, who Kirk himself doesn't really even seem like he cares about that much until he dies. Right. Yeah. Kirk's like, ah. Um, And it seems like he cared about Spock a little bit more than his son. Exactly. (laughs) No, but. Um, In his defense, though, he just learned that he had a kid. Right, right. That's true, too. But, yeah, no, it is crazy to, like, be like, hey, you have a son, and now he's dead, you know? (laughs) And so that's a little wild. Uh, I know Kirstie Alley, the thing about that, I guess when they were negotiating the contract for Wrath of Khan, they didn't put in in any sequels or anything so when it came back to where she asked for like a much higher salary she deserved it um and uh they just couldn't meet that what she wanted yeah but she deserved that though so i mean almost like chris pine in the in the new star trek movies (laughs) yeah yeah so it's basically like it's like oh this is how much i want for that and they're like uh Yeah, and Chris Hemsworth, too. I guess Chris Hemsworth wanted, like, a ridiculous amount of money to appear in Star yeah, Trek. He's the problem. Uh, for, and he it's he doesn't realize it's not, like, a Marvel movie. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, the Star Trek films are so not. I, I like... have to say this year is going to lose a little bit of respect from a lot of our listeners. I lost a lot of respect for Chris Hemsworth when they were throwing around the idea of Star Trek Four because he was from at least what I have heard reported was he was asking for an exorbitant amount of money. And like you were Kirk's dad, like you died like three minutes into Star Trek and you're like, Oh, I need this much money. Like, dude, this is not Thor. This is not Marvel. Just take whatever you get, dude. I mean, but that could be said about a lot of actors. I mean, there are rumors that that's why Bruce Willis stopped showing up in the Expendables movies because he refused to do it unless it was this major paycheck. And I mean, let's be honest, Bruce Willis hadn't been in anything of notable well acting since the early 2000s at best. Yeah. Maybe it was. Yeah, that's wild. Because, and, and I, I mean, I understand wanting to get paid a little bit more, especially Wrath of Khan. I'm sure that made a lot of money. And Kirstie Alley's like, hey, I'm going to try to cash in on that. 
It's but, arguably considered as well as the best Star Trek film. I disagree, but... Uh, honestly, I think you and I are probably going to agree on what's the best Star Trek film. <laughs> yeah. Really? I don't know. Maybe I think so, too. We might disagree. I don't know. But yeah, no. So, Chris, your thoughts on this movie. So you feel like it, it suffered a little bit uh, because of the distraction of Christopher Lloyd. Well, again... Um, but what about like the overall story and stuff? Like, what was your your opinion? The on overall, that? It, like the overall story, it was just an average sequel. Which I mean, you are on the third movie; it's not unheard of. I didn't hate watching it. I didn't like. This is by far nowhere near the bottom of the list for me. I yeah. It was a semi enjoyable movie that, from time to time, Christopher Lloyd's acting pulled me out of it, but. Again, like you had mentioned, that's just because I know Christopher Lloyd from a ton of other things, and it worked so well. And I think looking back at this movie from where we are now, it kind of distracts. Um, and also, I will go on to say this. This had one of the worst choreographed fights I think I've ever seen. <laughs> oh, oh my gosh. If you watch it, the original series, like the Star Trek original series... There's some really bad. Well, but like, I could get that. I could understand that for a TV show in the '60s. Um, like this yeah. is at this point, you're the th- you're in a third movie of a major franchise, and you couldn't really spring for a a fight coordinator. <laughs> like, yeah. I mean, yeah. to those at home that haven't seen it or or have seen it, I'm gonna just explain it. It's pretty much. Kirk and oh, I forget his name, the Klingon played by Christopher Lloyd, uh, grabbing each other at the wrists and staring longingly into each other's eyes while rubbing their hands back together over their heads. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's pretty accurate. Like, that was pretty good. Uh, I think you kind of nailed it with the explaining the Which, fight. For sure. Like, again, for a 60s TV show, I get it. Like, budget, time, all that stuff. For a movie that you're setting up that this Klingon hates Kirk, Kirk does not like this guy. I mean, the guy killed his son. Like, you want a payoff in a fight scene. And you get two guys that just kind of meander around a set a little bit. And then Kirk says a one-liner and kills him. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it was just kind of a discipline. Um, like they raised the stakes and then dropped the ball. <laughs> Clean on bastard, you killed my son. <laughs> like it um. wasn't it wasn't bad. And here's the reason why it wasn't bad, because we know what happens afterwards. Right? Like we know what happens in like six. And it kind of comes right. back. So if you watch this movie as a standalone movie, you might not like it. And you might not like it for all the reasons that we've kind of detailed here. It's okay. It's not the worst film you're ever going to see. It's not even the worst film in the Star Trek series, in my opinion. I wholeheartedly agree with that statement. I would I would watch it again. It's not bad. It's just, it's, it doesn't live up to the second one, which is its problem. But if you look at it from, like, when it comes back in the sixth film, you go, Okay, maybe that movie is not as bad as I thought it was. That movie is actually pretty good because they kind of have everything tied together. Yeah, but that isn't really yeah. saying much, just in my opinion here. That's not saying much for Star Trek 3. That's saying a lot for Star Trek 6 because that's just 
fixing issues from a previous movie in writing in the future. You know what I mean? Sure. No, I could, mm-hmm. I could definitely see that. Unless, but... which I may be mistaken here, unless they were all penned by the same person and like this was all planned out. I'd... Well, I think, I think an EJ would probably be the one to know this a little bit more. I think Leonard Nimoy was one of the brainchilds of all of these from like two on. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I know Leonard Nimoy mm-hmm. directed this one, right? Um, and this is this, uh, this one was written by Harv Bennett. But then afterwards, yeah, like Leonard Nimoy ended up directing part four, which I think is one of my favorites, if not my favorite for sure. Uh, out of all like Star Trek films, uh, <laughs> um, I really loved it. But I know Leonard Nimoy only directed this one and didn't write it. Where I think in part four, <laughs> like Leonard Nimoy and Harv Bennett came up with the story for part four, and then part five was directed by uh, William Shatner, and then I think uh, part six, Nicholas Meyer, who directed Wrath of Khan came back and directed that so that's and then yeah but Leonard Nimoy really his big say is the directing in this so you could probably kind of blame him for that fight scene I guess Chris Har but <laughs> like for not doing um like you know what that didn't look good uh yeah, I don't think that's necessarily um, but, a fault of his I think it's being true to the original no, series no, I'm just kidding. I, I'm never I would never speak ill of Leonard Nimoy He's like I, my I also agree with Chris there um, I do think that that was one of the issues that I've saw throughout the movies was that instead of embracing where we are with film technology as a whole, for the most part, and I will say for the most part, um, outside of like making the space scenes look better and everything like that, they stuck true to like the sixties kind of fighting and all of those kind of things, which wasn't, terrible i just think if they did give us that a little bit more i'm not talking like over the top i don't need like kirk to know karate but if he he just actually threw some punches yeah oh yeah yeah (laughs) i'm not like the struggle like it's always a struggle in the original series it's like kirk grapples with whatever it is and they kind of throw each other around that's kind of how it is with that big climax between him and uh, how I call it Klingon Doc Brown. You know, it, it was cool for Spock to direct. I, I mean, Leonard Nimoy to direct. It gave him time to, you know, step away from being Spock and like focus on the crew and cast and like direct. And uh, I thought he did an awesome job for real, like for a major motion picture. Uh, Leonard Nimoy, I, I don't know if it was like. I'm sure he directed television spots or whatever, you know, um, to handle a, a big budget movie like this. He he did awesome. I feel like he did amazing. I agree. Yeah, I I totally agree. Um, just quick look at his uh, his IMDb here, and I believe it's showing that as a director, he started back in the '70s with some TV shows, but like that was that was about it. Right, and then I feel like he ended up doing, you know, when he, going from, like, TV shows to doing, like, a major, big-budget, paramount film, like Star Trek Three. you know what I mean? That, and it's such a weird transition, because TV then versus TV now is a lot different, yeah. because 
you direct like an episode of like Dynasty, it's it's not you know like way different than actually to film. to just put this so, in perspective it wasn't even like i mean now you get the actors on tv that'll direct like a couple episodes per season he did three episodes of television before he did star trek three like he did an episode of tj hooker an yeah. episode of night gallery uh and then a tv series episode called the powers of matthew star oh wow yeah so there you go like imagine going from literally tj hooker to going and making the search for spock and how different that is um to handle all that the special effects so me i think leonard nimoy you know deserves a lot of credit for making this movie i do love christopher lloyd and a little bit of a mark uh for chris lloyd so i i like him a lot and I actually didn't mind uh, the girl who replaced I, I forget the actress's name. I really didn't like it didn't it wasn't like Kirstie Alley just made that role. I wholly agree like, and uh, the actress that replaced Kirstie Alley was Robin Curtis. Robin just Curtis. Agree. Okay. Yeah, I feel like she just did a great job. She 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 kind of played it with no emotion, which is why I disagree. Well, that's good. Yeah, but he's supposed but, to be like a Vulcan. No, like I, <laughs> if you gave me issues for saying that about Leonard Nimoy as Spock in the first episode, I am holding you <laughs> to the flames on this one. Okay, Spock's not supposed to show emotion, right? There's a character aspect of who Kirstie Alley made that character, right? Like there was just a certain likability that she had. Spock is always likable. But she takes, like, that character that she created, by the way, in the second film, and somebody replaced her in the third. No disrespect to the actress, but she just wasn't Christie Alley. And I'm going to give it a little bit of a negative point on this, and I disagree with you guys both on that. Okay, so what would you rate this film, guys? I'm going to have to go with a five and a half for me. (laughs) Okay, yeah. Chris... What do you think? You mean the better Chris or the worst Chris? Uh, the worst okay. Chris, well, which is you. Chris <laughs> so Chris R can rate it again. Uh, no, already, we already got five and a half from Chris. I mean, it's a... So you go ahead. Uh, I don't know what I think of this. So I'm like seven and a seven three. But I think I'm going to go seven. I think I'm going to go yeah. seven one. It's not the worst in the Star Trek franchise. That's coming up. But it's... Right. It's certainly not one I would recommend to anybody getting into the franchise. Yeah, it, it, it is a hard sell. Like this is where we're um, probably going to disagree, I though. Mean, anyone that just like, I, like, if you just pop into Star Trek and this is on, I feel like you'll be lost because there is this continuation of the story from yeah. two that goes right to this. So you really have to see two. To I see three. I agree with that. Um, I'm just saying you could have somebody start at two and three and like skip one. In my opinion, and they really wouldn't miss yeah. much. Yeah, I would agree. Because like you know, four starts its own story, and the four is probably my favorite out, like Star Trek film. So, and it, I feel like that's a standalone story. So it works, you know. Where this kind of is. 
uh, you know, the next chapter or like a continuation of two. And so as a standalone film, it, it you know, it's, it's kind of hard to watch it on its own if you ha- never saw two. But if you did see Wrath of Khan and you do watch this, it's a great movie. It's a great sequel. It's not as good as part two, but it's kind of hard to follow such a great movie. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So I, I feel like even like the Star Wars prequels follow the original trilogy and get a lot of crap for that. But then now, like, people look back and they're like, oh, you know what? They're not that so- bad. <laughs> and I think that's just because they followed, like, a, a big, you know, successful, so, well-told story. the rest of these so, like, out of a, the equation on it. Star Trek Two is, like, the perfect end point okay. for the series. Because it brings back a character in the original yeah. series and they do a great job with it. And I feel like and this is why I gave it a decently high score is I feel like Leonard Nimoy was in an impossible situation, right? Like you kill off the character I would argue is more important than Kirk, which is Spock. You kill him off. He has a great send off. And then I'm assuming from the success of this film, they're like, well, we got to do another one. Right? So Nimoy's probably going, well, how does this work without Spock? And the answer is, it doesn't. It yeah. doesn't work without Spock, it doesn't work without Kirk, and it doesn't work without McCoy. So you have to get all three of these back together. So this is what I would consider a soft reboot of the franchise, because you have to figure out a way that you could get Spock back in it. So to me, this actually wasn't bad, because this was just a way for... Leonard Nimoy to figure out how to bring back this character, how can we move forward potentially, and how we can get further down the road. All right. Yeah, I and I would um I would say this movie. Oh, first off, my rating, I was going to give it a 7.0 for sure. Um, but yeah, Chris, I do agree with you. Like, I think the first film came out and they're like, okay, yeah, it did well enough. We'll make a sequel, but let's, we'll end it. You know, that will be the end of the whole series. But because Wrath of Khan made like crazy dough, I think they were like, okay, so I guess <laughs> we're going to make a part three. <laughs> what are we, how we can't do it without Spock? Like, what are we going to do? So I totally agree with what you just said. Well, I guess with that being said, um, do you guys have any final words that you would like there, to make? There's just the one movie? small, it's just an interesting little tidbit. Um, believe it or not, Robin Curtis was actually in a movie that we already reviewed, and I did not know this until I was looking through her IMDb. She she actually played Leslie in Santa with Muscles. What? <laughs> no. no, get out of here. <laughs> no way. Oh, my God. You know. I, I give her and props. this is why we have Chris R. That, oh, by the way, are you ready for this? <laughs> Santa with Muscles is actually our fifth highest listened show on this podcast. Yes, no kidding. What? Yes, it took it overtook Santa Jaws like two weeks ago. Wow. Yep, that is insane. I can't believe that. I would just like <laughs> to point out that I was in both of That's those. Crazy. <laughs> yes. Yeah, Santa Jaws. Dude, I've been watching some really <laughs> bad movies, and I cannot wait to talk about them. Because um, I, I think I've watched a couple bad movies, 
or that were probably worse than Santa Jaws. <gasps> no, but um, but yeah, guys. With that being said, uh, Chris, uh, I'm like actually party. I'm fresh out of stuff this week, you guys. <laughs> All right. How about well, you I would like to plug that you can follow Center Instagram. We are at Fourth Cut Reviews. We are also going to be this kind of like breaking news as of a day ago. We're actually going to be transitioning this podcast to a video podcast. So we're going to be doing uh, some video reviews. Not to say that this podcast that you're listening to is going to go away. It's still going to be posted. You're still going to be able to watch it on your iTunes or or your Apple Podcasts or your Spotify or wherever podcasts are, you know, listened to. But we're going to do a video podcast on YouTube. And, you know, we, we figure out, you know, when we do our live ones, we got a lot of interaction on that. A lot of people watch it. A lot of people like it. So we're like, you know what? Let's try to do some more video podcasts. So if you like seeing my ugly mug and EJ's much uglier mug, then you can join us on Arbor YouTube because we're going to start doing that. But now I think none of these podcasts will be available on our well, you'll be able to see them, but you're not going to be able to see us. We're just going to have like our logo on them. I think our first podcast video review is going to be Zack Snyder's Justice League, which will go down in the annals of film as the greatest film of all time. So I'm just saying that. And that is my only plug for you guys here today. Oh, wow. Uh, that's that's the only, okay. Yeah. You you really think Snyder Cut is no, going to be not like, a chance? It's going to suck. <laughs> no, but um, yeah, I I would say uh, I'm excited to review that movie. I am going in with an open mind. Same here. I and, will. I'll go in with an open mind. We'll see. But, we'll see how. It but is. that should be our first. Yeah. Um, I, I'm sure I'm going to complain. Probably. About You're not looking forward to a four-hour movie, EJ. Yeah. <laughs> you mean? Uh, no. Not only that, it's a four-hour movie that releases on a Thursday. <laughs> you mean it's a, yeah? It's a yeah, four-hour movie, but it's not directed by Martin Scorsese. It doesn't star Robert De Niro, Al Pacino, or uh, Joe Pesci. But we're gonna be happy that it gets released. But that same movie I just talked to you about, which is called The Irishman got absolutely lambasted because of its running time. Yeah, honestly, I never got that. Not that we're yeah. going to step into a review for The Irishman right now, but I, I don't understand why people were giving it such a hard time about it being four hours. Like, if you watch the movie, in my opinion, it really doesn't bother me that it was that long. Well, with that being said, I guess we'll wrap up today's podcast and uh, I just want to thank you all for listening. And um, yeah, follow us on Twitter. Check out our YouTube soon. Mm-hmm.